Showmrebyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Collecting Issues, where this week we'll be taking a look at John Constantine, Hellblazer, Volume 1, Marks of Woe, Collecting Issues 1 to 6 of the DC Black Label imprint by Simon Spurrier, Aaron Campbell, Matthias Bergara, Marcio Takara from 2020. And more, Ben. Benjamin, this is a Black Label imprint. Yes, it's a DC Black Label imprint, Michael. Oh, so it is. It is indeed. Oh, does that mean there's willies in it? There's there's a few uh, a few P and I, Michael, mm. which you know is the plural of penis. Yes. Um, there's there's quite a few P and I. Uh, there's probably uh, there's, there's a shit demon in there. A couple of them, yep. Uh, a couple of them. They do they do a recurring thing, a bit like uh, Indian curry on a on a Friday night, Michael. It's recurring. So I don't you think know, does any need to make it a racial thing then? No, I meant in terms of what it does to your digestive system, Michael. Right, I see, right, I see. And Benjamin, there's some I very you, salty oh, oh. There's some very salty language in this, Benjamin. I, I tell you what, Michael, I tell you what, bloody <laughs> expletives galore. Yeah, ben, I mean, this is the first comic book in which I've ever read the term cunt flaps. It's good though, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So we should probably put an age warning on this episode. Uh, yeah, well, you shouldn't be reading this if you're in any way under <laughs> under a certain age. Yeah. If you're afraid of the word cunt flaps, then you probably shouldn't be read, listening, reading this. And if you haven't read it, then what are you doing listening to this? Because this is collecting issues of the comic book by Winkley Book Book Club. <laughs> That was excellent, Michael. Almost as good as my intros every week. Almost as good as my intros every week. Michael, who even is John Constantine? I don't know. He's some sort of wizard. Yeah, so he has a lot of different names, Michael, and he comes from the old Vertigo-verse. Mm. Way back in the day. Alan Moore is his original creator, and in 1985, he stuck him into a couple of issues of Swamp Thing. Um... And he's a bit of a, a, a salty English bloke. He enjoys a bloody cheeky pint and he's got no time for wankers. Yeah. Good. Um, now, Benjamin. One of the... Mm, yes, I am primarily familiar with John Constantine from the 2002 film Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Not helpful. That's all I'll say on it. It's, it's not a helpful film. It won't give you much of a background on... The only similarity that there is between John Constantine... In 2002's Keanu Reeves' voyage and John Constantine, the comic book character, is he occasionally handles demonic things. Right, right, right. Demonic things. And Shia LaBeouf. Um, and with Shia LaBeouf, he's running through the woods. Uh, yeah, so that's absolutely what happens. But aside from that, there's not much to go off, Michael. Um, the world of John Constantine involves a lot of dirty magic, Michael, what I like to call dirty magic. So to give you a contrast to that, you might know Zatanna from the DC Comics universe. And her magic's very clean, Michael. All she has to do is give a little backwards phrase and she gets a magical effect. That's not how it works in the Constantine world. Uh, If you want to do a little bit of magic, you have to sacrifice something. There's always a price to pay, Michael. And pay it, John Constantine won't. And that's kind of the central conceit of his character is that he's a bit of a self-centred dickbag. But Benjamin, doesn't he exist in the same world as, as Zatanna? Well, I mean, that's a great question, Michael. If you were to Thank watch you. the DC animated universe, you'd say, yeah, because he seems to have become the poster boy for the DC animated universe, where they put John Constantine in a bit of everything. Mm. They just enjoy being like, oh, no, we've jumped realities. What are we going to do? John Constantine. And Benjamin, uh, isn't yeah. he also in the Sandman universe where magic, everyone's just doing the magic? Yep, so what you're holding in your hand, Michael, is the relaunch of the Sandman universe, and he's one of several titles um, in that universe. We've already done one, Michael. We've taken a look at Lucifer Volume 1, and that's also in the new Sandman universe. 
Uh, yeah, and it's kind of a reboot of the Vertigo uh, label because the Vertigo label sadly ceased to exist. Okay, so um, now it's Black Label then. And now it's known as the DC Black Label, Michael, which is very funny because you think they would have just gone with Vertigo again and had a Vertigo relaunch, but they didn't. No, no, they, they, wanted, that, a, they wanted a new line where they can show us Batman's willy and say cunt flaps. And they can say cunt flaps. And, and that they've done. That they've yeah, done, Michael. They've done it. They've done it very much so. <laughs> so there's quite a bit to get through in this this comic, Michael. It's a hefty boy. Um, you and I are only going to be taking a look at issues one to six of the actual John Constantine comic because there are two little add-ons at the beginning there to give a little context to set the stage, mm. if you will. I think um, they're vitally important, Ben, so I read them. Oh, you bastard. Go on. I read them and it establishes who the villain of the series is because <laughs> it would be very easy to be reading through these six issues and going, who's this mysterious villain man who's sniffling around the place? But we are flat out told in the prologue. Yeah, you are. But it's that prologue isn't in the original run. So if you were to pick it up hot off the shelf, Michael, you wouldn't have seen that because it came as part of the Sandman universe bundle. But does that mean you just wouldn't have... So Ben, obviously everyone who's read this knows who we're talking about. It's, it's future old man parallel universe John Constantine. Yeah, so there's there's an interesting bit of history to that, Michael. It, that character and that character design. If you go back to the original Hellblazer run, which ran straight through the 80s right up until 2000, and I should really have this written down. 2000 and late. Uh, 2000 and late. Is that, that what we're going with? Yeah. Um, that run was ended with John Constantine's death, and it ends on a mysterious three panel sequence, Michael, of John Constantine in that old man form in a pub. Oh. Um, and Simon Spurrier seems to have brought this back. Um, and it's an alternate version of John Constantine, and he's a bit of a bastard. Yeah, but we only get introduced to this bit of a bastard in the prologue issue, which is not really connected to the main story. And then in the main story, we have this kind of lingering villain of mysterious zosity. But we know exactly who it is because it was in the prologue. Yeah, we know who it is, but John Constantine doesn't, Michael. He no, seems John to be suffering doesn't. from a selective amnesia. Mm. He's yeah, like, I don't so remember he's... doing a deal with my future evil self. I probably should remember things like that. Bloody fucking hell. Mm. Um, yeah, so... There's quite a few things going on here, Michael, and I think it would be fair to say that Brexit is the backdrop of a lot of this bloody comic. Yes, yes. They should just call this Modern British Troubles the comic. <laughs> British social issues, yes. 20, 2016 to 2021. Yes. Um, they should call it, Ben, John Constantine, Hellblazer, Volume 1, What the Flip is Going On in London These Days. <laughs> Colon, Racism, Comma, it's racism, isn't it? Question mark. <laughs> that made me laugh far more than it should have. Um, so that yeah, would be my, the, my chosen title for it, Ben. The backdrop of this, Michael, is that um, there's a lot of magical happenings on, Michael, that seem to be going on in old London town. Yeah. And they all seem to be related to some kind of xenophobia, bigotry, or good old-fashioned racism. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a kind of a colonial tone running through the backdrop and it seems to be magic that's fueled by people that are kind of longing for that mythical colonial empire Britain of the past the good old days of England the good old days of England and we're introduced to that in spectacular fashion Michael in the first three issues yes um, where we get a real kind of Victorian literature romp 
um, or pre-Victorian rit- uh, literature romp. My apologies. Um, the the work of William Blake fuels much of the madness of the first three issues, Michael. And Geordie Belair handles the art for it. And good fuck, Michael. It's yes. an acid trip. Is, is Geordie Belair Irish? I feel like I want to say... Sorry, Geordie Belair is the colourist. I've just done somebody yeah, a yeah. disservice. Yeah, yeah, I've no, just done somebody a disservice. I think uh, you're right. uh, Benjamin. I'm, now, hold on a second. Anyway. I, you, you figure that out while I while I uh, degrade you here. So I was reading this and I read through it, Ben. And I was like, who's this William Blake character? Bloody Willie, good old Willie B. This seems like it's something to do with poems. And as you know, Ben, I hate poems. I hate You them. do. I hate them. I've no time for them. So I was reading through this going, this is something to do with poems. This absolute prick has tricked me into reading a thing about poems. <laughs> And then it got to the bit, Ben, about the tiger and the tiger was burning. And I, I hearkened back, Ben, to your bloody old blog. I know. <laughs> and was your old blog, Ben, named after this very same poem? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> burning paper tigers, Ben. Is that anything to do with this? It's a little bit to do with that, Michael. It's actually based on an Amelia Earhart quote, my original blog. Oh, go on, go on, go on. Um, She... Once, when she was asked how she faces the fear of flying alone, she said, you must remember that the fears are paper tigers. Um, So they're not real, Michael. They're not real fears. Although I would argue that flying up in a little biplane is probably a justified fear. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very dangerous. You know, but obviously not for Amelia Earhart. Well, it was Uh, very dangerous because it got her killed, Ben, you'll remember. Well, she disappeared, Michael. She might still be alive in a Caribbean island. No, she's dead. No, she's dead. They found her. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. When was that? Yeah. That was only recent, though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's not what we're here to talk about on the podcast, Collective um, Issues. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> what we're here to talk about instead is the first three issues of this mad yeah. thing. Yeah. So this is modern London, I guess. This is this is Film 4's version of Constantine. Um, we're taken to the London flats. Um, yeah. We're introduced to the postcode gangs, the... Yeah. Just the, the the deep, deep crime that affects much of the Dublin flats or London flats community. <laughs> bit, of a, <laughs> bit of a Freudian uh, slip there, Ben, I feel. Whoops. Um, but yeah, so we're we're led into that. Um, we're introduced to the re-boys. Yeah, I believe they're roadmen, Ben. Roadmen is the traditional one, like yourself, Michael. Yes, um, I'm very street. Roadman to the last. Yes. And yeah, so we're introduced to that, Michael. And... We kind of it, we're 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 introduced in a very bizarre way. I kind of like the way it's introduced, where we're looking at a Harrispex's work. A Harrispex is someone who divines, um, or divines things, Michael, through magic, and it's it's a bloody nasty boy. His yeah, name no is use. K. His name is K Mag, and uh, he's keeping an eye on on what's going down in the in the flats in the blocks, um, mm-hmm. using uh, creepy bloody body magic, blood and guts, Spence, and people's no. hands. No bueno, no Gross. bueno. Gross. Um, so there's something on Peckham, what's it called? Peckham on... Peckham Common. Peckham Common, thank you. Um, and, uh, Michael, it's Big yeah. Bloody Angels. Allegedly, Ben. But, Ben, you know, I've read it and you've read it and all the listeners have read it and we know that it isn't angels, is it? It's not angels. It's tulpa magic, Michael. It's a madman. Tulpa magic. Tulpa? Tupla? I don't know. I'm never sure I'm never sure But anyway John Constantine gets roped in somewhere Michael And uh, he has to go and deal with this And we're led to meet our first Mega racist um, In the form of a Homeless person Who served in Iraq In the original Iraq war 
and he what are you looking for I'm just looking at the comic I'm looking at the comic I'm looking at the comic that we're talking about Jesus and he gets brought in Michael uh, sorry and uh, he gets discovered so so John Constantine has a few interactions with him and the first two times he interacts with him he's like oh, there was something mildly racist about that fella and then, on, a racist, that fella. <laughs> and then on the second one he's like oh there's something very racist about that fella yeah I think that fella was um, a racist and we slowly find out Michael because he starts talking about the darkened ones yeah. um, and it's a bit of a Joseph Conrad heart of darkness thing where it's like oh the, the darkened ones um, and and uh, he's not he's, uh, I'll give you two hints Michael It's not dark In terms of moral character No um, no <laughs> It's skin it's much then. worse than that It's skin So yeah. What it ends up happening Is that the The angels are a manifestation Of this man's PTSD And kind of mental illness Because his wife Yeah Was a former uh, Blake scholar And he's kind of obsessed With that notion um, And They manifest Because he's been He's been put upon By a little bit of Tibetan uh, Belief magic Which is a, a Tulpa Someone's put some magic on him. Manifests um, all these visions and they take care of all the racist people. Or all the, sorry, not of all the racist people, the exact opposite, Michael. Um, It takes care of anyone that he deems a foreigner. And that's very important, Michael, uh, when we say that. It's anyone he deems to be a foreigner. It's not necessarily anything to do with a genuine British citizen or anything like that. No, no. Um, It's his warped perspective on what makes a British citizen. Now, Benjamin, you don't hate poems as much as I do. No. But uh, was Thomas William Blake, is that what's his name? What's his name? It's William Blake. Yeah, was he Was he a racist? Uh, so, in terms of William Blake, yeah, he had a touch of colonial pride. All right. On, Michael. Is colonial we, pride call- a way to say racism? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's a polite way to say racism, is it? Um, right. He wasn't nearly as overt as as what's being put across in the comic, but that's that's one of the messages that John Constantine is trying to put across, is that people can twist words any which way they like to fit whatever crusade they're on at the time. Um, I think it would be more fair to say, Michael, that William Blake was just a mad Christian. Um, he went a bit bananas towards the end of his days there. Um, right. And if you've ever seen the fantastic plates he has in a in his book, the songs of um, innocence and I can't remember something. Uh, songs of innocence is one of them. Anyway, he used to illustrate all his things. He was a fantastic um, illustrator, Michael. And they're bloody mental. Um, much of his imagery is used throughout comics and things like that. When you want to harken back to kind of old timey demonic things, stuff mm. like that. I'll tell you now, Ben. I haven't seen them because I've got no time for poetry. I've got no time for it. Well, I'll send them to you after this, Michael. I'll send them All to right, you after this. I don't this. want to see them. You're going to have to see them, Michael. It's for the podcast. Oh, for the podcast. But anyway, uh, in the end of it, Michael, it, it has a very Constantine twist to the end of these first three issues in that Constantine kind of convinces the, the homeless person to do himself in. Yeah, because um, he's not a, British enough. To a bit of tricksy business, Michael. Mm. Um, so he, it's, it's classic Constantine in that Constantine doesn't actually have to lift much of a finger. He more or less just misleads people. So what he says to the tramp is that he has chatted with her wife or with, with the, the man's wife. That's and it turns out you've just thrown the derogatory term tramp in there, Ben. Did I throw tramp in there? I'm yeah, so you sorry. Did. Yeah, you just said that. So what happens oh. to the tramp? That's oh, interesting, dear. isn't it? Well, that's so not good. They'd probably come down and get you now, wouldn't they? Uh, would they? I know, you're grand. Would you're they? Well, they'd oh, probably no, get I'm you. a dirty Irishman. You're they'd a get me no they, bother. they definitely get you, yeah. they get me no bother. Yeah. In a heartbeat, Michael. Oh, yeah, they'd be uh, all over you. I'd be, I'd be rent. 
limb from limb. Yeah. Um, the homeless person, Michael, and not the derogatory slur that I just used. Very, uh, very apologetic to everybody um, involved there. To all he our turns out he, who are tramps. He he murdered his wife, and uh, that's no good. Yeah. But what uh, what old Johnny Constantine does is he says, "Ah, oh, look, I've I've chatted with her, mate, and uh, she's bloody forgiven you, hasn't she? It's it's all good. It's all good, <laughs> except he." He's a scouser. The famous Australian he? character, uh, John Constantine. He's he's a scouser. So I've had a chat with him, mate. I've had a chat with him. It's grand. It's all it's all smooth over. He's um, not even from London. He's from Newcastle. Newcastle is where he's from. Uh, but I can't do Geordie, can I? <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Anyway, um, he convinces him otherwise, and then at the end, he's like, "Did his wife really forgive him?" His new kind of partner in crime says, "Did his wife really forgive me?" He says, "Did he fuck? Did she fuck?" She was raging. She was really annoyed. Um, which you would be, Michael, if you were murdered by your husband. Um, yeah, yeah, very disappointed. And uh, it turns out that the angels run on redemption, and then he kind of convinces him to kill himself. Then but Michael, they're, they're from not there, angels. They're not angels. Just uh, well, the the Blakeian bloody nightmare dream. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, the, the thing about it is, it's not that the angels run on redemption because they're not angels, and it's nothing to do with redemption. It's that well, the Tulpa he, then. No, well, no, it's but it's not even the redemption. It's he thinks that. Yeah, that's why it works. It's just he's tricked a madman using his own logic, and then Bob's your uncle. Job done. Um, and that's the end of that little run that's kind of set up our initial characters we move on from there then we're interested Michael to the to the harshest parody yes, <laughs> of modern London culture I think I've ever seen in <laughs> Tommy Willowtree um, well, and you don't think that the the, the roadmen thing was a harsh, harsh criticism oh that was awful culture. as well let's be honest like, I, I think if we were to accuse Simon Spurrier of anything Michael it's a bit of heavy handedness Potentially, yeah, potentially. <laughs> he might 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 want to take his foot off the gas on occasion. Um, but I think they're very broad characters. I think he's just, you know, he's just having his little argument with the audience. And he's going to do whatever he wants what's, to get it uh, through. What's Simon Spurrier's? Is he a Londoner? Simon Spurrier's from London. He has his kind of credentials from 2000 AD. Right. Um, and he's written for Warhammer, Michael. When are you has he? You're boys. He's a Warhammer boy. Is he? Um, yeah, he's done Warhammer comics. He's worked for them. Um, he also has a thing that you'll really like, Michael, called the Simping Detective. The Simping Detective. Um, and what's he up to? His gigs. <laughs> he's a simp who's a detective. Oh, that sounds um, interesting. <laughs> what more could you want? Um, he's a bit heavy-handed here and there, Michael, but I think he writes an interesting story. Um... I think he understands John Constantine very well. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he thinks maybe that he... I don't know. I think he thinks people care an awful lot more about the narrative that he's creating. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to make any assumptions about what the artist thinks about what people think yeah. about his work. I mean, that's fair as well, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I th- I quite enjoyed it, actually. I, I liked it. Having... Oh, no, Michael, I think it's very good. That's why I yeah. gave it to you and suggested mm. it for this very podcast. But, I mean, the whole looking at different aspects of London, I mean, it, it puts a new twist on it that he is a Londoner. Yeah. Because, let's say, if I were to write this and I would go, okay, this week I'm going to do road men. Next week I'll do hipsters. Then the following story will be about the city. Then mm. I'll do something about Downing Street and the fat cats. 
No. You know, you know it, beco- it might become even more of a parody. But if this, if if Simon Spurrier, good old good old SS as we call him, if he lives and works in, <laughs> don't call him that. Oh no, we don't. The whole Nazi thing, yeah. Um. So if he lives and works in London, then that would be fine. <laughs> that would be fine. Like he's he's you know. He's he's presenting different aspects of Londonness. <laughs> Christ, and I mean, yeah. he might they might not all be Ben. What you people would call his lived experience. What do you mean, you people? You people, um, the likes of you and Tommy Willowtree. Um, <laughs> th- th- you know, they might not be all his lived experience, but he's presenting different versions and images of London. See, I found it very interesting. Um, so yeah, we we see those different aspects. Did you enjoy the little uh, Boris Johnson nod at the end of uh, the third issue, Michael, where he runs back into fuck whatever strange incarnation of Albion is living under the Houses of Parliament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get to see wounds. Boris Johnson's little yellow mop of hair just mm. running away naked and thrilled. But that's that's what I mean. I'm sure that the establishment was going to come in for a bit of a, a goosing later on down the line. Oh, they do. They get a they get a firm a firm ribbing, Michael. Oh, do they? A firm ribbing I uh, later on we, in the series, not for this one. I didn't think this survived long enough, Ben. But of course, we don't talk about it later on in the series, do we? Because we don't take about later on in the series because this is bloody collecting issues and it's one to six this time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, then we're introduced to Tommy Willowtree, um, and poor old Tommy Willowtree has been taken on a bit of a ride, Michael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been convinced that. So I suppose in the same way that Brexit harkens back to kind of a colonial empire, Tommy's been taken in by a very different kind of uh, England of yesteryear, which is the the Merlinian saga or the Arthurian England. Mm. Um, and he's kind of fallen for that chivalrous protector of the realm kind of of England that exists yeah, in that mythology. He thinks um, he's Captain Britain. He thinks he's Captain Britain, exactly, Michael. Um, and he's kind of been working in John's stead because John's been out of the game a while. Um, and that boils down to a number of reasons which are in the prologue that we didn't read, so we're not going to do it for this week. I did read them. Go on then, explain. He was in a future war, Ben, with magic. Yeah, he was in a bloody future war. With Harry Potter. Harry Potter's gone evil. The original Harry Potter, Michael. Was Does Tim Blake Nelson predate he Harry predates. Potter? predates... Harry Potter. Neil Does Gaiman he? created him way, way, way back in the day. Mm. Because I was watching this story of Harry Potter going evil and going, this was the plot of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's a little bit no. like that, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. A little, mm. little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. So anyway, um, Tommy Willowtree has kind of been doing that. Tommy Willowtree is an excellent foil for John Constantine, in my opinion. Because the one thing... Like, John could write him off for a litany of things. He's a vegan and he's polyamorous and, mm. you know, he's into a lot of the... He's got the a man su- bun. He has a man bun. He Craft wears spectacles beer. with a large yeah. beard. Um, and John Constantine can write off all of that as, oh, he's just a tosser. But the one thing that everybody seems to enjoy, Michael, is that he's a very likable guy. <laughs> Yeah. And that's the thing that really grinds John Constantine's gears is that everybody says, oh, he's just so likable. And John Constantine's like, no, he's not. He's a tosser. And it's just very entertaining to see that, that play out. But poor old poor old Tommy Willowtree, Michael, has been conned by small pals of John Constantine. Mm. And I have um, no idea who they are and I can't say I cared. Yeah, they, they come from the original run. Um, in John, many, many, many moons ago, Michael. So we don't really have to worry about them too much. All we need to know is that they kind of roped 
poor old uh, Tommy Willowtree into holding down the fort while they did a runner uh, and he kind of found John again. That was the whole thing. He was supposed to reconnect with John and do all that kind of thing. Of course, John sees right through it because in John Constantine's world, uh, Michael, there is no pure force of good within magic. It's not a good thing. It's kind of a vile, twisty, turny thing that you can't predict. It's absolute chaos, Michael. And that's yeah. why I enjoy it so. But the crows, Ben. universe. The yeah. crows of this story. First of all, Grant, Goodrell, racist crows. <laughs> Classic. Um, they have the best expletive of the whole thing when one of them slide around going, Willy bum, Willy bum. <laughs> my favorite so glad moment. I picked a winner for you, Michael. My favorite moment of the whole comic was that crow running around going, Willy bum, Willy bum. <laughs> yeah. So those crows, Michael, are, are hexing crows. And again, I think it's it's clever writing on the part of Simon Spurrier because um, Tommy Willowtree tries to explain the the myth of the crows. If the crows ever leave the Tower of London, England will fall. And it's a it's a bit of nationalist propaganda, Michael. It was created by Victorians to get the punters in. Oh, we love punters. Um, and that whole idea is again just a nod to the fact that this fictional. England of yesteryear, the good old days, halcyon days, whatever you want to call it. It's not really a thing. It's a lot of it's marketing and propaganda. Mm. Um, so those crows are no good. Um, and the problem with old old Tommy, uh, and I can't remember his name now. It's, it's, it's Willow Tree. You've said it a hundred times. Willow Tree, thank you. Uh, is that he doesn't really solve the problem so much as arrive a bit too late. Um, to solve the problems and John Constantine has a much more definitive way of doing it and again it's a very John Constantine way of fixing things where he doesn't necessarily lift much of a finger magically speaking what he does is he talks to things and sees if he can kind of convince them to do themselves in or to act against their own self-interest so in the case of the crows he doesn't try to break the very powerful curse what he does is he teaches them new curse words so that the tourist board is too afraid to keep them and they get exterminated willy bum willy bum being one of them um so that's interesting that's interesting michael to me um john constantine very clever he's always doing clever stuff then of course he has a run-in with bloody parallel universe john constantine old man constantine um, and but we don't know Const- that. Uh, ah, well, it's him though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but, yeah, but we don't know that because yeah, we sorry, read we don't prologue, know that. You have to read the prologue. Point. If you didn't read the prologue, you wouldn't know that. That's fair. That's fair. You, you just be. Oh, you. why did he have John Constantine's laugh? What's going on? What's a foot? What's going on? Is there there? some great mystery here? Oh no, hold on. Six issues ago, uh, it's him from the future. I forgot. I forgot. I'm fine now. I, I remember. <laughs> so poor old Tommy Wildrey gets gets a bit of a crucifixion going. Um, he gets a couple of uh, nails for the old. Uh, to the old hands, Michael, um, as a as a kind of a, a warning or a nod to John Constantine, and that sets off uh, the next little rumbly tumbly that'll come after issue six of this. So issue six brings us back to our original roadman, his new travelling companion, the mute, uh, the mute young gentleman whose name escapes me, Noah. Noah, thank you very much. The mute young gentleman, Noah, and uh, we get a little bit more backstory on him and his mum, and it turns out his mum's in a in a coma, um. And has been for a very long time. And we're introduced to yet another beastie of the Empire, Michael. Um, who's going about and kind of uh, sucking the souls out of um, foreign people in the NHS. Yeah, classic NHS. Well, John Constantine apparently is very much in favour of the NHS. There's a little moment um, where he says the only thing we ever got right... We put all of our pride in one place and it actually turned out okay. 
And um, so Simon Spurrier supports the NHS, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, good man. Probably fair to say. Um, and that's what we're introduced to there. So that's kind of a, a strange vampiric entity born of hate. Um, and that kind of unravels us and sets us up for the next mystery, which is that she's been getting mysterious letters from the House of Commons. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And they're what's fueling her with hate. They're kind of magic letters. Mm. Um, that fueler would hate and give her the ability to hunt down different people. Um, overall, Michael, I think this is a very good return to the Constantine universe. I I think, as I was saying to you earlier, this is reboot eight hundred and fifty two since that original long run ended way back in the early or the early two thousand tens, and. They tried to reboot it once or twice. They made him sexy in one. He's kind of mm. a bisexual man about town and a charmer. And then in the other version, he was kind of a dark and brooding Constantine who took himself very seriously. And both of those ran out of steam um, because the fundamental character trait of John Constantine is he's a selfish bastard. Mm. But in this, um, he's both a selfish bastard and dark and broody and a bit of a playboy by part of town. Yes, and he's completely irreverent, which I think is the most important part of the lot. Um, he just doesn't like authority. He doesn't like things he's supposed to do. He doesn't enjoy being told what to do. And he hates things that prey on other things. Mm. Um, he's a being of big ego as well. That's how his... his uh, kind of former acquaintance convinces him to help Tommy Willowtree because he's like, well, if you don't help Tommy Willowtree, he might go and save the day all by himself. And then John Constantine's like, bollocks. I want to save the day. So we're introduced to a motley crew of characters, Michael, from all walks of British life. We have um, the the buxom uh, bar doorman in Nat from Scotland carries around brass knuckles. Is she buxom? I think we could say Buxom, couldn't we? Can we, can we say Buxom? All right, okay. Know. The brash, the bold, <laughs> the brave and the bold, the bodacious. Yeah, she's a, she's a bouncer and she'll punch a man in the head. She'll punch a man, but she's also doing a literature course. So yeah. Like you, Ben. Like me. Um, and then um, we're introduced to Noah, who's an interesting character. There's some great visual to- storytelling opportunities with Noah when we get to see him kind of either sign or scribble on a piece of paper or text or there's lots of different ways that we get to see that we're introduced to the vestibulian I'm not sure how to say his name yeah that sounds right he's the demon in the phone Michael and I did honestly think that you'd get a real kick out of being that kind of entity I like occasionally let out of a phone to kick the shit out of something I like Um, him and he's like these aren't real angels you asshole (laughs) yeah fucking prick what did I come out for to beat these up um, so I quite enjoyed him um, I think Tommy Willowtree is a very enjoyable character despite being such a parody um, and it's just an interesting little reintroduction to the world I think it's again down and dirty magic it's it's not a positive experience for anyone people come out of it a bit broken um, and I think it's a return to form for old John Constantine I don't like when the art changes between stories Ben yes it's never been one of your favourite things it's never Michael. been There's- one of my favourite things there's a lot going on in this. I mean, the the initial three issues are a real throwback to the heavy render days of um, Vertigo Comics. There's a lot of Dave McKean in it. There's a lot of Bill Skit. I can never say his name. Skenovitz. I, um, no I have no idea, Ben. Um, it reminds me a lot in those first issues, Michael, of Arkham Asylum, the famous Grant Morrison. Um, gig. It's that kind of mad... 
chaotic style of art, especially when the entities manifest and things like that. Mm, it has um, the sketchiness of some some Sandman stuff as well, obviously, which is heavily yeah. inspired by and trying to emulate, I suppose, in some sense. Absolutely. Um, what I wanted to say, sorry, the guy I was talking about is the guy who used to do the New Mutants covers. Oh yeah, I know who you mean. Oh, sorry. I don't. Oh, you mean you don't know how to pronounce it? Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I thought the only art that put me off was actually the very colorful art that comes with Tommy Willow Tree. I mean, it suits Tommy Willow Tree, but it's just a strange jump to a very animated style. And he even goes back to the old style of John Constantine of a crisp blue suit. Yeah, which is like early John Constantine. Um, that's the initial Swamp Thing run. I think is he has the the blue gloves on and everything. Yeah, and he's supposed to be a magician and it's a little nod to that and I suppose the art style kind of reflects that and he's trying to clean up his act and then he ends up covered in shit anyway. Yeah, he ends up covered in, literally covered in shit then. Yeah. Um, so it was. it's a strange thing of, because I think the first three issues are quite heavy. That first little arc is quite heavy. Um, mm. There's a lot mm. going on there. There's a lot of social commentary, road gangs preying on young men, giving them a sense of structure and family, uh, racism running amok. Um you know, stuff like that in London. And then we switch over to this kind of very lighthearted two, two beat arc where it's like, oh, John Constantine cleaning up his act, covered in shit. Yeah. Uh, Curse and crows. Aren't hipsters funny? <laughs> hipsters are funny, aren't they? Look at them. They're soy. And then all of a sudden we get slapped back into people preying on the NHS, uh, racism, uh, people who gave everything for their countries, but didn't get anything in return. And that's that's the tone that we get. But I think it's quite good. I think it works quite well. I really enjoyed this. I Um, would like to hear a British person's take on it, Ben. Yeah, I think that's probably what we're missing here, Michael. Mm. Yeah. I do think on occasion, and this is possibly what did it in or, or limited the popularity of it, it's, it's intended for a British audience. There's, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of stuff here, Michael, um, that references British culture, British history. There's a lot of British in-jokes. Like, I'm not sure an American who picked this up would understand the social problems of flats in London or roadmen or any of that kind of thing. Um... And I do think it's intensely British, so maybe that's why it wasn't as popular as previous John Constantine runs. Because they often take. How far does this get, Ben? Twelve issues is all it made, Michael. Twelve issues, okay. um, so two volumes. He built up an intensely loyal fan base in that time. Right. Um, he got a lot of reaction from a core group of people who were like, "Oh, this is Constantine. I've missed this." And da 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 da. I would be among them, Michael. I really enjoyed the original Constantine run. Um, and I thought this was a great kind of return to it, but it's very niche, very niche in ben. places. Um, and I think that might have done it in. What did you think, Michael? I liked it, Ben. Actually, I wasn't a huge fan of the change of art, and I wasn't a huge fan of the fact that you had to read two prologues to really know what was going on. And I really wasn't a fan of the fact that the grand villain reveal is handled in the one of the <laughs> prologues. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb, dumb, <laughs> stupid, dumb thing to do. But um, the actual comic itself, and I wasn't, I wasn't set up mentally to enjoy it then very much. But then I got into the story, and other than the whole, oh god, here we go, Billy Blake's racism. All right, okie dokie. But it was actually quite a good. I thought it was quite a good racist story, and I liked the like, oh, that's the kind of dark you mean. Oh, gross. <laughs> Oh no, that's not good. That's not what I thought you meant at all. There's we better that, get rid of you. 
there's that one aside that the homeless person says to John Constantine where he's like, like that one over your shoulder. And John Constantine is like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's just racism. And initially, it's it's funny because I think he lulls you into a false sense of security because initially we're like, oh, look at the poor homeless guy. Look at, and then it's just like, oh, you're a dick. Yeah, oh. you voted Brexit. And I think that's excellent because the 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 homeless guy tries to give like extenuating circumstances where he's like, well, I fought for my country. I did this. I did that. I had a hard life. And John Constantine is like, that doesn't excuse the racism yeah. though, does it? You're still an L racist. <laughs> it's still a dirty L racist. Yeah. Um, so overall, I thought, it, I think it's really good. I think it's, I, I think the characters are well written. I think they're very enjoyable. Um, and it's a shame that it didn't last more than 12 issues. Well, it's not a shame for me, Ben, because I've already read these six and I quite enjoyed them. Well, when I buy volume two, Michael, you can borrow that one as well. All right, Benjamin. Benjamin, do you think I should name this episode John Constantine Hellblazer Volume One? What's going on on London? Call on its yeah, racism, I'm, isn't it? Question mark. I mean, we'll just have to end the podcast if you don't do that. All right, um, then I will. So you're going to have to do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's enough yes. from us. That's a pair of, of comic book readers. Bloody, what did you think of John Constantine, Hellblazer, Volume 1, Marks of Woe, collecting no. issues 1 to 6 of the 2020 series by DC Black Label, by Simon Spurrier, Takio... No, I'm going to mess the rest of it. Oh, you're doing pretty well there. That was I was pretty doing pretty good. well. I thought I was going to get it. But uh, in all seriousness, ladies and gentlemen, what did you think? You can get in touch with us in the following ways. First of all, the quickest way to get in touch with us is on the bloody Discord. Get on the Discord. Hop up on the Discord, as they Hop say. Hop up on the Discord. You can also find us on the bloody Instagram. We're on Instagram, too. At Collecting Issues, we're right there. If you don't fancy either of those options, you can find us on the interwebs at www.seanreview.com. It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can let us know what you'd like to have covered on this podcast, um, and we'll probably do that at some point in the future. If you haven't we are, had enough... We are weak-willed. We'll, we'll do whatever people ask us to. Whatever you'll ask. Anything for the fame, baby. Oh, oh, oh. Unless it's racist. We might not do it if it's racist. Yeah, we probably won't do that. Probably won't do that. Well, uh, I'm not saying we flat out won't. But because, it's unlikely. You know, it's pretty unlikely. We leave the racist stuff to SS. Not yeah. Simon Spurrier. The, the other lads. The, um, the actual SS. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't had enough of us this week, you can check out our other podcast, Michael and Benjamin's podcast, um, where we did an episode on bottle episodes this week. Go check it out on showmerbug.com. We're stuck in a tiny room. And finalmente, in two weeks' time, ladies and gentlemen, we will be covering Invincible Volume 1 by Kirkman, Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. And I can never remember the name of the original artist. Philip Drawing Matt Cory Walker (laughs) That's it from us this week Ladies and gentlemen Bye bye It's not Philip Drawing man I've made him up